Hello, and welcome to the Bringing Education Home podcast. I'm Herb. And I'm Christine, Christina. Together, we are bringing you ideas about education, entrepreneurship, and relationships that are both inside and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook. And leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Jules Zanakis. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Good Excellent. job. <laughs> um, but before I do, I would like to read her bio. It's, it's actually presented written in in the uh at the start of our show but it was so well written that i actually wanted to say it out loud because <laughs> it's very it's very nice so jules anakis is the director of strategic partnerships and a transformational recovery coach for the coaching company being true to you she works primarily primarily with teenagers and young adults who have previously been diagnosed with things such as depression anxiety ptsd eating disorders self-harm suicidal ideation, and substance use. All of these were components of her own life's journey, and she draws on her own experiences as a valuable asset in coaching others on their transformation and healing path. In her work as a coach, it is her mission to help teenagers and young adults recognize and cultivate out of their addictive attachments, keeping them tethered to suffering, keep, that is keeping them tethered to suffering in this human experience. Jules holds the belief that our suffering can teach us valuable lessons about things that truly matter in life. It can show us the path to connecting with our authentic selves and help us overcome the obstacles necessary to achieve peace, joy, and true presence each day. Jules helps her clients connect with their true identity, stripped of outside influences, and establish their moral and ethical compass in life to help them navigate hardships, transform suffering, and cultivate their path of their highest self. And that is just beautifully written. And now I would like to introduce her. So I first met Jules um, about a year ago when I became a client at Being True to You and then later became a coach. So um, I have issues with, with dealing with real life stuff. So um, when I finally got a hold of her, I was like, oh, can you please talk? Can you please talk to my wife? And I would just hand Christina the phone and... <laughs> Then after they did all of the technical stuff, I would get back on and we would chat. And and she was just so lovingly heart-centered. Every time we talked, she was just so joyful and genuine. It was such a pleasure to deal with her. And in such a beautiful way, in a way that we're just not really used to all that much anymore. And most of the people at Being True to You came across that way, which is why I went from a client to becoming a coach for them. And a lot of that really was due to this amazing young lady here, Jules. And so, Jules, I would like to welcome you to our podcast. And I'm going to hand it off to Christina now to continue on. Well, thank you again for joining us. Um, as we get started, we just want to hear a little bit more of your own, a little bit of background and experience and why this work is so important to you. It, you know, part of it was in the bio, but give us just a little bit more, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. And yeah, all of my conversations with you have been so enjoyable. And Herb, you know, I remember I, I 
close my eyes and I picture myself walking around on, on, um, the phone and my first conversation with you. And, you know, from that first conversation, it's been really engaging and wonderful and so nice to see your transformation over this past year as well. And now Christina getting the opportunity to know you as well. Uh, it's really been a joy. So thank you guys. I'm really excited to be here today. And, um, yeah, I would say, you know, I, I speak about it in my bio, but definitely one of the biggest joys that I have and one of my biggest tools in working as a coach now is my own experience and the things that I've been through um, in my younger years. Uh, so my journey really started, gosh, I mean, it goes back to uh, when I was about eight years old. I remember first not liking myself. Um, I don't like using the word hate because it's a really strong word, but um, I really, everything about my being for whatever reason, I, I don't know what it was, but I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, I, I didn't like my smile, which is ironic because now everyone tells me how beautiful my smile is and, and um, my teeth and my laughter. You know, it's, it's funny, all these things that now have become things that I really love about myself. Um, I, I didn't like them. And so that started a journey of, you know, cultivating this the these inner demons um, that as I got older really started to grow and I remember when I was 14 uh, I was driving to school actually with my mom and we were in the car and I was like gosh mom it's just really stinks that we all go through life and you know we just like kind of hate ourselves and it's it's really difficult and you know you just wait until you're old to die and like why can't I just do this sooner and my mom I just remember her face looking at me like what are you talking about she was like well I like my life I I like myself um you know I I enjoy my family and my kids and and that was a real um turning point for me in opening up my eyes to seeing like, oh, I, the way that I experience life is really different from the way that other people experience life. And I should probably talk to someone about this. Um, so that started my, my professional help. Um, I started seeing therapists and, you know, then I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, um, a few other things. And it was a difficult journey. It was a difficult journey at a young age of not having the words really to describe what I was feeling. You know, I remember I would sit in session and I was just like talking to people who at that time seemed a lot older than I was. And I was like, you know, I, I can't talk to you about high school and, you know, Snapchat and boys and, and all these things, because it, it, my experience was so different um, from what they had experienced when they were a teenager. And, you know, of course, there's similarities in teenage years are always hard. There's always lots of hormones, all of those things all the time. Um, but it felt, I always felt a really big disconnect with my treatment team through no fault of their own. It was just having such a big age difference was really hard. Um, so I feel like a lot of that work was, you know, I would come into the session and, and um, I've always been pretty 
smart for my age too. So uh, I would sit in the session and I would just kind of talk like the whole time and I would figure out what the problems were. And then I would say like, well, this is what I have to do about it. And, you know, I would like be, be problem solving myself within the session. Um, and Herb, based on what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, I think you uh, might be able to relate to that. <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> totally. So, so yeah, I mean, um, through that, I feel, you know, it was frustrating and, and difficult at the time, um, but now it's really rewarded me in a lot of ways because I was really in the trenches and helped myself out of a lot of the difficulties that I was dealing with. Um, you know, I really didn't have um, a lot of people who I felt like could really understand what what I was dealing with. And so, you know, yeah, I could I could speak more about the details of it, um, but that's kind of a, an overview of you know kind of where I was and um, then kind of how I came out of it a little bit. Very general overview. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing that because that really gives us a perspective on where you're coming from. Because now you are actually a teen coach. You actually work with teenagers to help them get through some of the stuff that you were going through, correct? Yes, correct. And um, it's extremely rewarding and it's it's like it's come full circle in a really beautiful way. So I am able to, you know, not only help the clients that I work with, but I get to be that person that I really wanted in my life. Um, and I didn't have, you know, I'm, I'm 24 now, so I'm still young enough. I, I remember, uh, I remember being in, in high school and I remember, you know, how heavy everything felt really all the time and how quickly things changed too. You know, I remember I would be sitting in my therapist's office and we would talk about something one week and then the next week, like that wasn't even my biggest issue anymore. I'd moved on to, I'd gone through 10 issues by the time I saw her next, you know? So, um, you know, I like to make myself really available to my clients. I always tell them, Hey, text me, call me in between session. If you need me, you know, I'm, I'm here. And most of them do, they really take advantage of that. And to me, that's like a huge badge of honor when they do do that. Cause it's like, wow, they actually trust me. They actually enjoy working with me. And it can just be, you know, a five minute conversation. And to them, it really helps them. They're like, wow, I feel so much better. I feel so much more capable of facing this issue now. Um, and all they needed was a few minutes to really talk to someone who's not in the thick of their lives every day and that they feel comfortable and trusting with um, and, and who can say, yeah, I, I know, I, I totally understand where you're coming from and how that feels. And hey, let's problem solve this together. And like, I'm here for you. You know, that's, that's really a, a huge thing that I reinforce all the time with my clients is like, I'm here for you. And I, I do care about you because I do every single one of them. I, you know, I have such a special place in my heart for them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's so rewarding and it's healing for my own, you know, prior self as well too. It, it's really beautiful. So that's amazing. You, you said you started noticing the these feeling changes when you were eight years old but you didn't say anything until you were 14 so so that's six years that that mm -hmm. you went through this on your own um is there a way that you would like to possibly bring this kind of information to an eight-year-old in a school setting that they might learn some of this vocabulary learn how to reach out earlier so that they don't have to go six years before 
they might be able to start finding help. What could have, what could have been said or brought to you at an earlier age that might have said, hey, there, there's something more here? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I think definitely something that I talk with parents a lot about is constantly giving your kids reminders um, that you love them and mm -hmm. that you're there to support them and really opening the dialogue. You know, I think um, a lot of times kids aren't in a position to like, they aren't really asked like, Hey, how are you feeling today? You know? Um, and I think with young kids, you can even use things like pictographs, you know, like, Hey, you look at looking at this chart, like, where would you rate your emotion? You know, and you can use emojis, something that, that they're familiar with, that's more accessible for them. Um, and then have a conversation about it. And I think really, in general, creating the space for it to be a more open and almost peer-to-peer -peer dialogue between parents and kids rather than always this hierarchy of, hey, I'm your mom or I'm your dad um, and I'm going to say this and you have to do it because I say so. And then not having a, a larger conversation around that. I think that is a huge thing, um, letting kids have the opportunity to speak more and, and really checking in with them. You know, I think, yeah, a lot of kids don't say things if they don't feel good because one, I think the space isn't there a lot for them Two, They don't know how to say these things. Um, so I think, you know, first we can create the space and then also open the dialogue so that they can share these things. Um, so bringing more of the emotional intelligence aspect of, of learning yeah, into learning. it earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, cause that's something that you don't learn in school either. Not in, not in traditional schools. It's I'm starting to bring it in a little bit, especially in, in some of the more home learning environments, mm -hmm. but yeah, in the main schools, that is, that is very, very lacking right now. And they don't, they don't have any idea of it at all. So again, that's, that's part of why we're moving into our education system to, and we're going to be bringing that along with, with, some psychology as well into it at an yeah. earlier age. With our family coaching program as well. Exactly. I am yeah. so glad you talked also about what the parents can do because I mean, you know, at that young age, lots of times, like you said, the kids don't know the words or don't know how to express it. So making sure that those parents are checking in and saying, mm -hmm. hey, how, how are things going? But would it also help if the parents kind of like express their own feelings mm -hmm. and joy in life. So like your mom did, she's like, oh, well, I, I'm happy with my life and I like what we're doing as a family and those kinds of things. If the parents maybe express that a little bit more around their children, would that help? Yeah, yeah I think definitely, um, you know, expressing the, the joyous moments, the happy moments, expressing to, you know, of course, age appropriate and what's appropriate for kids to know, but the difficult things too. Um, and, you know, like, oh, this is a hard day because, you know, this is the anniversary of my dad's passing, um, you know, and, and having conversations around that with children. I think that's something that in our mainstream society, people kind of shy away from. And I think it's, it's important things to start bringing in early again and in an age appropriate way, um, but so that children can start 
recognizing like, okay, it, it sadness is okay to be there as well, you know, and how can we process it? How can we move through it together as a family, have support around it? And, you know, for an example, like someone's passing, it's like, okay, well, let's do something special today um, to celebrate um, their life and remember them. And, you know, three of my grandparents um, died before I was born. And, you know, I, I wish we had had we did do a few things like I remember on on my Nana's birthday we would go and um, visit her grave and you know but it, it wasn't talked about as much as I think I would have liked it to be and really like let's tell stories about her you know I never met her um, so I think it would have been really nice to like create this is a day that we can really you know bring out the old photo albums talk about the stories and you know start allowing children to see um, where the emotions are appropriate and then creating the space for them to to express them too and you know if you think about little little kids when they're tantruming and again this has definitely changed I think in the past few years you know there's much more of a of a positive parenting movement and really um, having that dialogue around emotions with kids. But I think for a lot of years, it was, you know, oh, a kid's tantruming about this. Okay, well, we're going to ignore them and, and let them tantrum and do their thing instead of really talking to them and saying, um, hey, like, I hear you, you know, you're, you're upset about this. Um, how can we work through this together? You know, and I think that's a huge piece in in families and schools and everything. It's making it collaborative because um, that's a skill, you know, teamwork, collaboration that really moves into your entire life, you know, your professional life, your your friendships, your family. It's, you know, how can we work together, see other people's perspectives um, and then find a solution that, you know, we all can feel at least OK about. I love that. Yes. And I was also thinking when you said pictures, maybe even talking about some of the family traditions and stuff, because then that also helps build the family, not just memories, yeah. but traditions that also might have happened. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the kids will start checking out and will stop reaching out to the parents. Um, so if the parents do start to notice and try and reach back out, what, what are some warning signs? What are some ways that parents might be able to reach out, reach back to the kids or... Mm -hmm if it gets to that point, should they be reaching out for help first? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. I think definitely a huge thing is being attentive. So noticing if kids' behavior is changing, you know, perhaps if they're isolating more, um, perhaps if they, you know, aren't hanging out with their friends as much as they used to or don't have the energy or interest in things. Um, I think the first step is awareness in that and noticing it. And then I would say, yeah, have a conversation with them around it and, you know, go in in a really open way, again, leading with that love and support and, and then just asking um, really general open questions that wouldn't make the child shut down, but just like, hey, I, you know, I've, I've noticed that you used to hang out with Lucy a lot and you haven't wanted to hang out with her in the past month. Uh, you know, is, is there anything going on there with her? Is there anything you'd like to talk with me about? You know, I'm, I'm here to, to talk about anything you want to, whether that's about Lucy or, or something else. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, bringing the awareness first and then 
leading with the love and support and, and asking those questions. Um, because even if there's not something there for the kids, it reinforces that, wow, like they care, you know, they care and they're noticing and it feels really good. And if you open a conversation about something, you don't know where else it could lead. Um, you know, maybe they're like, oh yeah, everything's fine with Lucy, but there's this other girl, Gabriella, and you know, and, and it just opens the space um, for them to do that. And by the way, I don't I don't know anyone personally named Lucy or Gabriella, so I don't know where those names came from, but it works. And um, exactly. yeah, so yeah, I, I think the noticing and um, you know, then I think I think there does it, it's individual for each person, um, but then I think it it does get to a point where you know, professional help is needed. I would look at things like um, sleep. Usually if kids aren't sleeping or they're sleeping too much, that can be a good indicator of something else emotional going on. Um, food, same thing. And, you know, that that can be a whole other conversation about eating disorders or, or something there. Um, really any pretty drastic or sudden change in their mood or behavior. Um, I would really dig into that as a parent and ask those questions. And then if you're not getting um, answers, I think, you know, reaching out for additional support. Um, and I think even that too is something to have an open conversation with kids about. You know, I, I remember when I was in high school and college, I used to say, everyone when they turn 14 should get a, you know, therapist and start meeting with them at least once a month, whether they think they need it or not, because I think all of us having some kind of confidant or someone to talk with um, is really helpful. And, you know, we, not everyone always has those supportive people in their life that they can go to. So if we do have a dedicated person, um, it can be really nice. But I think to, bringing kids into the conversation around that and saying like, Hey, like, would you want to speak with someone, you know? And, and I think coaching is a great avenue into that too, because again, it doesn't have that hierarchical relationship in coaching. It's much more like, Hey, I'm, I can speak to you about this um, because I've been there, you know, I've walked a similar path and I really understand it. So I think coaching is a really nice opening for that, where it feels probably less intimidating for kids um, and much more relatable and, you know, kind of like friends. I remember I had a client say to me once, she was like, Oh, I feel like we're friends and I always just talk about myself and you never talk about you. <laughs> and so, you know, that felt kind of silly, but also really nice to know that, wow, it does feel like that, that friend relationship. Yeah. And we're marketing a lot to entrepreneurs and entrepreneur families because our, our model um, is, is very open time structure at least to, to allow for that. Mm -hmm. um, so what you were saying about coaching is like entrepreneurs need to connect weekly monthly as well within their group of people and their in there so how you talk about coaching to you're, you're preaching to my entrepreneur group here <laughs> so, so so yeah your kids need coaches as well as your business need coaches as well as your family need coaches um so if if somebody does decide that they want to coach um can they get a hold of you directly or is there how, what kind of resources do they have to, to find and get a hold of people? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, obviously, uh, I'm a little biased being true to you. It's a wonderful resource um, for coaching and and really for people of any background. Um, so if you know, your entrepreneur network, if they want coaches, um, we have lots of people for that. Definitely kids and teenagers. Um, that is, you know, as we mentioned, my um, area of expertise and what I really enjoy. So yeah, through the the Being True to You um, website, people can find our phone number, um, our email address. My email address uh, directly is Jules, J-U-L-E-S at beingtruetoyou.com. Um, so I would be happy to speak with anyone if they have any questions. Um, I, in addition to coaching teens and young adults, I also do consultations with parents. Um, so if people are unsure of, you know, where, what they should do with their kids, if they need coaching, um, if they might need, you know, a, a residential or inpatient um, treatment program, you know, I kind of help parents or just tips on, you know, how to talk to their kids, how to have these conversations, things that they're noticing. Um, those are some of my favorite calls to do, honestly, because it just feels really rewarding. And, and it's a little easier sometimes to give parents like the tips and structure and then to have them um, implement it right away, you know, and you then make a know. huge difference right away. And it's yeah. like, oh, wow. Yeah. That, that feels really exactly. good. Which is yeah. one of the main reasons we wanted to have you on our podcast and stuff. So you could start giving those tips, just like you've been doing throughout this whole conversation. Yeah. And, and as also a fellow graduate from the BTTY certification program, mm -hmm. I absolutely back up everything she just said about being true to you. <laughs> it is, is fabulous. Um, it, it helped save my life. It, um, it laid the foundation. So that when my transformative motion moment came that I was ready to accept yeah. it and move into it and, and go with my life. So, and I'm still going on with, with coaching as, as well as moving into slight coaching roles as my own. So yes, being true to you is an absolute amazing, wonderful organization. And I'm going to be talking about it often. often so. exactly. <laughs> and I, I really have door the association the grouping as well because it helped keep him with me and brought him back to me so. and while i was going through the classes she did listen to a whole lot, a lot of, of the lectures, lectures and she learned a lot and and mm -hmm. i can hear differences in how she talks to different people now mm -hmm. just from the information she got a little at a time through the class so exactly. yeah yeah, absolutely. That was one of the biggest things I noticed right away as I was going through the training program was it really helped change um, the way I showed up in my relationships, you know, my, my friendships, my coworkers, my family. Um, it really gives you a depth of just the human experience, you know, and, and suffering that we're all susceptible to and how to really have more compassion, I think for ourselves and, and for other people and really get into that heart space when we're talking when with them. you bring that into your coaching. It is just absolutely beautiful to feel, to watch, to be around. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So one of the one main questions we want to ask you today was that if parents were going to make a change in schooling or a change in housing or some kind of big change with these teenagers. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, we're talking about our new education model and some of these teenagers who might be depressed or, you know, whatever, maybe being pulled out of the school system into, into a home system. Different. 
yeah. how would that affect right how would it affect what could parents maybe do to kind of like pre um prepare them for it yeah there we go yeah pre-prepare pre-prepare <laughs> yeah yeah, I think definitely a big thing is, again, having that open dialogue and communication, you know, not having it be, hey, we're doing this decision and you don't have a say in it, um, but having a more collaborative conversation. So, you know, as much as possible, um, trying to have the kids feel like they have autonomy over the situation. Um, of course, that's not going to be possible all the time, but at least having a conversation with them and, you know, really speak to them like adults. I think that was one of the most frustrating things for me when I was younger was because I was so smart. Um, people would just talk to me like I was a kid and I'm like, I'm not a kid. Speak to me on your level, you know? And so I think, really explaining to them um, the reason for the change and then allowing them the time and the space to share their feedback in, in having a conversation and, and not just shutting them down, but really expressing gratitude um, for sharing their feedback. And then, you know, it, it'll just help a lot to, so that they feel heard and like they're contributing to this decision as well. And I think another thing is definitely, um, you know, try and have pieces of their routine that can stay constant. Um, so whether that's sports that they might be in, um, friends that are from their old school, you know, making sure that they have time and space in their schedule to, to keep those friends, um, other community groups, whether that's church or volunteering or these really like anchors so that, you know, when the school environment changes or if, if people move, um, whatever the case may be that, you know, there's still these anchors and, and pillars in kids' life that feel comfortable because I think that's a really big thing for for teenagers and really people of any age is having some stability you know and, and having a routine and consistency and knowing that they can rely on something so you know if you're going to make a big change in in one area of your life um, try and see and pre-plan what areas that they can remain as as constant as possible um, to kind of you know keep the ship afloat uh, while the other areas change. And then I think finally too, really, again, just those constant reminders of the love and support um, and setting up that, that feedback loop too, so that it can be a continual dialogue, you know, checking in with them um, a week after the change, two weeks, a month after and really being like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, what, what are the parts of this you're enjoying? What are any difficult parts and, and really talking that through with them and helping them problem solve so that they feel, you know, it is a team effort. Um, it's, it's not an individual effort. They're not doing this alone and talking about from your, uh, stance as a parent too, like what have, what have the joys been for you as a parent? What have the challenges been so that again, it normalizes just having these conversations around the emotional piece and like, yeah, you know, change is hard for everyone. It, it really is. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't make changes because usually change comes with the biggest rewards in our life. Um, so just having that, that dialogue and, you know, um, yeah, just, just having them be a part of it as much as possible. So if parents that. aren't really used to having these kind of conversations uh, with their children yet, um, mm -hmm. 
where's a good place for them to start? Because if, mm -hmm. if they're not used to this, just jumping in like this with their kids is going to freak right. their kid out and <laughs> might actually like, <laughs> more yeah. like, what, what's going on? Why are you suddenly? So what's a way that a parents can, can start this process if they, if, if they didn't do it young, if they, mm -hmm. they yeah. Wow. That's what a great question. Truly. Um, I think one thing would be, you know, having a dedicated place for these conversations to happen. So, you know, sitting down and saying, hey, um, we're going to start doing family meeting uh, once a once a week. It'll be, you know, Sunday evenings and kind of having an agenda planned out for it. I think a, a nice thing is always like, okay, what's your high of the week? What's your low of the week? Um, that's a really nice way too of parents to start to key into what is happening in kids' lives. You know, like, oh, if there's a low of their week um, that seems really heavy, spend some time there, dive into it with them. Um, and then it will also model help the parents model as well. Like, you know, this is, um, you know, this is what's really going on in my life. And, you know, so again, it opens that collaboration. And I think too, um, something that, that was really important for my family growing up that I think is something that unfortunately is lost for a lot of people today, but is really important is sitting around the dinner table. Um, we did that, you know, yeah, I was just thinking when you were talking about that, I was seeing, we, we went out to dinner like a night or two ago and there was a family of five and all five of them had their phones out, out yeah. at a restaurant, all ignoring each other at the table. Yeah. And like, let's bring back those family dinners. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And technology free, you know, technology free. And again, that starts with the parents and the modeling, you know, like how can you put, put your cell phone away, you know, iPad, laptop, whatever, and um, really show your kids that this is a priority and we're going to make it a priority for our family, you know, sitting down, spending time together and really doing that every night. And it, it builds again, that teamwork too. You know, I remember like my mom, she would be cooking dinner and then, you know, we would all kind of help set the table and then we would clean up the table and then we would fight over who would do the dishes and you know like I'll do the plates but you have to do the pans you know so yeah, um, yeah it, it, that that really helps and that's kind of an organic way to start having these conversations um you know and and then I think too like if parents um don't know and and don't feel comfortable doing this like talk to someone in your life who is a really good communicator you know who is really good with having these conversations and ask them for tips um i think role playing too is hugely helpful a lot of times you know like i work through that with my clients they'll have conversations that they want to have with their friends or with their parents i'm like hey let's do it let's do it together you know so that they get the practice out they can get their ideas clearly set out and then they feel confident going into those conversations um so i think even for parents they can you know talk with if it's a um, couple together they can talk with their spouse about it and like okay this is what i want to do you know does this sound okay or talk to a, a sibling or a friend um and really just just get that practice so I, I think those are a couple ways and um, just starting to, you know, like it, it's going to be uncomfortable in the beginning for sure for everyone, if this isn't a usual thing. Um, but just, just 
start and see how it goes. I think usually when we can open these conversations, it usually goes better than we plan it in our head. Um, and one of the hardest steps is just starting. I love it. Yep, exactly. And that's something that we've been doing as entrepreneurs is just starting. You know, you just have to jump out there and go and it won't be perfect the first time and that's okay. It might not be perfect the second time, but like you said, as they get into the routine and stuff, things will get smoother and easier and hopefully be much, much better for the whole family. And if you just show up, it starts to get better. And if you don't show up, it never will. will. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I love it. Awesome. Well, Jules, it has been such an amazing time talking with you and such wonderful ideas and insight from you. Thank you so very, very much for all of that. And I really hope that we might be able to have you come back again sometime and join us here on Bringing Education Home. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, it was really a pleasure speaking with you today as always. And um, yeah, I would definitely be happy to come back again and, and dive more into these topics. So thank you very much. And and we will put your contact information and your bio down below. So if you do want to get a hold of her at being true to you, we'll, we'll have that information and her email down below. All awesome. right. Thank you so very, very much. Cool. Thank you guys.